0: Welcome back to the Sonder Society podcast. I'm your host, Dan Palmer, and today I'm joined by a special guest, DJ and producer, Travis Lydian. Thanks so much for joining me, Travis.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Travis has played alongside some of the biggest names and released music all over the world from Canada, Europe, UK, US, Brazil, and much more. In this episode, we're going to give you an exclusive look into Travis's life and work. But let's start like we always do at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about where you were raised. Obviously, that was Calgary, but tell me about growing up here.
1: Um, You know, overall, I mean, I was very involved in, you know, winter sports, um, more extreme stuff, uh, you know, snowboarding uh, in the summer, skateboarding, loving to do that. Uh, Played a lot of volleyball, basketball, football, being a taller kid, getting injured a lot playing football, but um, enjoying it every single time. So, uh, you know, besides that, my family, pretty conservative, pretty musical as well. Uh, being from Scotland, you know, obviously having some family members playing the bagpipes and, uh, not going that route, unfortunately. But, <laughs> Did um, you ever give
0: it a go? Did you try
1: it? Um, no, never. Um, I mean, the only instrument I, I really played was, uh, tuba. So I played tuba for about, oh gosh, about three years. So I think that's what kind of led me into maybe that rhythm aspect being that low end of the symphony. But I mean that's just kind of my, my reasoning behind it.
0: Amazing. So yeah. tell me, tell me a bit about your family dynamic there. What was, what was the family structure like?
1: Um, as in, so like brothers, sisters? Oh yes. Uh, younger brother, okay. uh, by two years. Uh, but yeah, only one sibling. Uh, I have a lot of uh, cousins, so I have about, uh, five boys on my dad's side, two girls on my, oh no, two girls. Yeah. Yeah. Two girls on my yeah, two other cousins on my dad's side. Yeah, yeah, very, very big on my on my dad's side. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up with you know five boys, being very competitive in sports, so uh, I think that was my competitive nature there. Um, but uh, I was always the youngest one, skinniest one, so always had to compete pretty hard. Did you
0: take sports any any place, and then just eventually move into something else, or?
1: Not, not really, as far as pursuing it in any way. Uh, not really, I mean, as far as past high school, um, but um, played a lot of community leagues, football, volleyball, basketball, all that stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Tell, tell me some about it, about the um, defining moments that you had when you were growing up.
1: In which sense? As far as you uh, know, kind prob- of what led me to yeah, kind I'd of prob- s- where... Exactly,
0: yeah. yeah. What led you to, to DJing, which we'll, we will be getting to.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's funny you say that. So my parents being pretty conservative as far as music goes. I mean, I would always try to sneak uh, any kind of explicit uh, music, right? So anything with that that label, I was never allowed to listen to really. So that's what kind of drew me to electronic music, right? Because a lot of the time it was not a lot of vocals. Um, so, and I just love the groove and obviously watching, you know, a lot of these um, electric circus uh, things on the weekends. So that was just, you know, probably from, Oh, gosh, when I was probably about seven or eight. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. So, obviously, that was one of the defining moments. I know you said to me previously you went to, like, the record store when you were younger with your dad. And tell me a bit about that story.
1: Yeah. So, you know, kind of dur- during that time and not really uh, having that opportunity to, you know, try to get some explicit style music, you know, kind of whatever it was, um, you know, I-, I-, I dove into a lot of mixtapes. Uh, there was one by DJ Micro. I think it was my first mixtape I picked up and it was a lot of that hard rave stuff right so that was my first taste of what I thought electronic music was um you know kind of like um older Paul Oakenfold you know DJ Dean organ donors all those guys so yeah that was my that was my first taste
0: so when you were younger did you kind of remember like the first rave you went to or like a show that you went to how old were you then
1: Yeah. So sorry, mom and dad, uh, I wasn't at a sleepover. Um, (laughs) I think I just turned 14 and so there's a place uh, called Curry barracks. They used to have all these kind of training facilities for the army guys back in the day. I believe it was like a half gym and then it was all warehouse in the back. So, you know, essentially there was a lot of these raves that they were throwing there. I had to use my cousin's fake ID, uh, like his driver's license to say I was 16. It was a 16 up um, event said that I was sleeping over at a friend's house. And um, I believe it was Yoji Bama Hanukkah, Susie There There's a few other names, Kai Tracid, that were at this event. It was the genres that I loved, like the harder stuff. So that was instant. That I was like, I, I want to be up there someday, you know? So that, just, yeah. that
0: was one of those things that instantly impacted you when you went to that event. You wanted to be the one. In, in Was it because of the crowd? Or what, what, what was that impact like?
1: It was it's, 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 it's tough to describe. It's just the whole atmosphere, right? Like you have one person controlling essentially a full room and, um, you know, everyone is facing you and they're just in it for it. Right. I mean, it goes all night and and I like, I don't think I got out of there till about 8am. Right. So yeah, that was just, it was just an instant hit, like just something clicked, you know, it's, it's different when you're just watching something on TV. Right. So I, yeah, I was just completely blown away. And you know, there's no crazy visuals. It was dark. There was like some kind of lasers going on, but it was very simple, right? So it's just like you're there, dark warehouse, and just yeah, just immersed in it. So
0: did did the passion originate from that event specifically, or do you think it was when you talked about you getting pushed towards the electronic music when you were younger? What what was kind of that defining moment for you?
1: Well, I think it's I think it's a little bit of a mix. So I think I already had that kind of bug in my ear as far as that goes, but you know, obviously being eight, nine, 10 years old. I mean, it's going to be a while before I can really see any of that live. So I think as soon as I got that first chance, you know, that was really the earliest time that I could have gotten to see it. Right. So, um, yeah, safe to say got the bug and then, you know, was just kind of compiling music that way. And then when the opportunity came like, Holy crap. Yeah. I can go here and check this out and there's a way for me to get in here. So, um, yeah, definitely it was the kind of, initial thing. And then the the defining moment was actually attending one of them.
0: Looking back, I guess you're probably so grateful now for the way you parent. I don't know if strict's the right word, but yes, not letting, you, <laughs> was strictly right. okay, well then there you go. Um, but let it, not letting you listen to a certain type of music, obviously you had to make a decision and go, okay, I'm going to go this way. Mm-hmm. You're probably super grateful that that was one of one of the things that happened in your childhood, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, at the same time, it kind of uh, you know, things that I was, you know, really loving for, you know, new music or artists. Uh, obviously, when you're younger, you got, you know, kind of what's cool, right? So it was kind of like not the cool genre to be listening to. So you kind of feel like you're outside of the, the crew, right? You have like a select few, but, you know, it's, um, it's something that I've never really wanted to do anyways. Is just kind of, you know, kind of go with the, the crowd. But um, yeah, you definitely notice that, you know, if someone's talking about some new, you know, commercial act. And you're like, oh, I, I have no idea who that is, right? So, but, you know, kind of when I would bring up someone, like brand new track from, say, an underground artist, obviously they would have no idea either. So um, it's it's good both ways, kind of sharing music that way as well.
0: How did your parents react? Obviously they found that eventually electronic music was the route that you started to take. Were they happy about that because you were avoiding the music they didn't want you to be in? What was that like?
1: Um, well, I know, uh, you know, obviously Rave, is you know it's a word that's all over the news and them growing up, that's all they see was just raves getting shut down and you know all these things happening. But that's that's not at all what happens. You know, it's about bringing people together. Um, you don't have to speak the same language. You're just in this room in it together, and uh, I find it unites people more than anything. Sure. Yeah, so. I,
0: I definitely think we can get into that topic and what it mm-hmm. does when you're in that moment. But mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about I guess your parents pushing you. Did they push you towards? doing that and doing what you enjoyed or was it still, was there a hesitation there in, into getting into the work you are, you are in now?
1: I think, I think in the beginning it was, it was more so just the unknown. They just, you know, never really grew up around it. Right. So they just kind of, you know, kind of what is this new thing? Is it more of a fad? You know, is it just like this new genre that'll fade out? Um, so I know that there was some reservations there, but you know, when they see me working hard at something and you know dedicating hard-earned time to it, um, they they definitely appreciate that. And they've come full circle. Uh, actually, at Badlands, uh, my dad it was it was his first event that he's ever seen me at. So I was just about to yeah. say, have they
0: been to one yet?
1: Yeah. So first event uh that he's been to and he was like oh my god like this is so cool so
0: yeah I think I think some well I I saw you there too and I think it's the impact of seeing someone on stage the amount of people there people enjoying what you're doing you're performing right (laughs) and it's when you're potentially like they were disconnected from what that is, you know, being a bit older, it's hard to find that connection. Even if you say you're passionate, if that's not something they're interested in, it's hard to put a connection, even though if you're, you're their son. So I'm glad he's gone to an event. I I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about a little bit about kind of your favorite DJs and and you talked about Carl Cox, uh, Roger Sanchez, but who's kind of your favorite DJ now? Do you have someone that's kind of at your top that you, you're always following?
1: Uh, I mean, they're still within the top 10 for sure. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, I really enjoy seeing Joseph Capriotti every single time I've seen him. Uh, He's been absolutely amazing. Um, You know, obviously seeing Carl Cox as well. He actually played on the same night as him. Um, You know, and I would see him from those Electric Circus days and then seeing him at the Awakenings festivals and just being absolutely blown away, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love all kind of genres of, of electronic music as well. And they all bring something super unique. Um, but uh, I mean, I can go on for days who I really look up to, but it's just a matter of, um, you know, it's like the all in one, right? But I just say overall DJ, Joseph Capriotti for sure. Awesome.
0: Amazing. You talk about, well, you, I guess you see these DJs get such a I guess, commanding of a crowd. And you have too, you know, doing Badlands and, and being able to do festivals or whatever type of show it is, even if it's a small show. You learn how to command a crowd, how to get a dance floor going. Talk to me about kind of the reactions of the crowd. What does that do to you? How does that make you feel?
1: It makes me feel amazing. Um, and just to kind of kind of back put a little bit, I mean, you know, kind of starting out DJing, if you're playing earlier in the night, I mean, you can't really, um, you know, I guess read the room if it's, um, you know, starting to fill in. Right. So I've had a lot of those slots where, you know, kind of start of the night where it's just kind of the staff in there and you're kind of playing for them. But, um, you know, once you kind of build that and and, and curate that moment, it's, it's just, I can't even describe it. Right. Um, it's almost like they know what you're about to play and you know exactly what they want to hear type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you get into that flow state, it's just, yeah, just like it, it, it feels like, you know, if you have two hours to play or an hour, it's it's gone, right?
0: Yeah. I think as well, like it, even if you play early, I've seen some DJs play early and they've actually been the best part of the show. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. not it's so not it's... always that build up where it's like, okay, yeah. the best guy's on at the end. Yep. You know, I think yep. that's changed exactly. a lot. It's 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 exactly. sometimes they have to get the build up at the beginning, build that floor so exactly. that someone else can excel towards the end, right?
1: Exactly. And I mean, that's the thing too, is um you always have to have a, you know, great proper, um, opening night, right. Because, um, that's how it transitions into having a great overall show. So, um, yeah, you know, love, love playing. Um, yeah, love playing those as well, but yeah, you know, you want to see obviously a crowd that you're reacting with. I think that's the main part is, you know, you're playing for this, you know, kind of, um, cohesive, dance for, right?
0: Yeah. I think back to growing up, obviously you went down potentially a different route to what your friends did when going into DJing or electronic music. Did you feel like a bit of a black sheep? Was there some convincing that you had to do throughout that childhood?
1: Uh, yes. And still (laughs) now.
0: Okay. Do you want to talk (laughs) to me about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, yeah, like I have a lot of uh, friends that are obviously supportive, but you know, same thing. It's just, um, whether or not it's a preferred genre of theirs. Um, but also you feel, um, pretty cool about it because they're asking you, Oh, Hey, have you heard of this guy? He's like pretty cool. And you go, Oh yeah, actually, you know what? Here's some other cool tracks by this guy. So it's really cool sharing music that way, or just being, being that, um, you know, kind of person out of the group where they're like, Oh yeah, just ask, ask Travis about this guy or, you know, just if they have new music to to share or, you know, anything like that. Right. So
0: and is that drift? Have you kind of now surrounded yourself with you know, if you felt like that at one point, and you say you, you potentially still do. Have you surrounded yourself now with people that only promote the positive in in you? I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, um, it's no harm on you know people that just don't really um, you know vibe with that that genre per se. But um, you know, I've built so many amazing relationships, you know, obviously within the scene over the years. That you know, we kind of started out as you know, it's kind of DJing together, hanging out to, you know, full-blown friendships, which has been amazing. So, um, obviously the conversations are different too. It's, you know, we can talk about just, you know, music production for five hours together. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's also good having that contrast with, you know, friends that you grew up with, right. That you're doing a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really good right now, you know, as far as, um, all these relationships that I've built, it's, it's been. Yeah. I,
0: I think, I think that's not just DJing, right? It's any, you go into business as you grow up and yeah. people do the different things. They go the different routes. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily what they're looking at doing. For, I guess, feeling that way, did it allow you to come out of your shell? I guess music in general or the people you surrounded yourself, did that, did that is what that allowed you to come out of your shell a little bit more?
1: Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um You know, if you want to, you know, I guess pursue anything really. Like you want to have like-minded people that, you know, maybe have that answer for you with whatever you're stuck on. Right. And this can be in any industry. So it's always good having, you know, someone to, you know, kind of send an idea to, or, you know, get honest feedback instead of, you know, kind of friend that doesn't understand it. Oh yeah. Yeah. This sounds good. Opposed to someone who's a producer. That's like, Oh no, you know, EQ this, take this out, do this, do this. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's a nice medium of that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah,
0: I think, I mean, it's a constant learning curve, right? There's always something you can learn and you're always pushing yourself. We'll we'll definitely go into kind of that depth a little bit later. I want to probably pull it back. Um, I I know we were getting carried away with the (laughs) DJ, which (laughs) we always will, but not a lot of people may know that that's not your day job per se, right? So I know you've got kind of various jobs, gigs, let's kind of break that down. Do you want to just kind of Take that away. If What, what sure. it do you do behind the scenes that people might not know?
1: Sure. Uh, well, currently, uh, I'm in uh, digital marketing, so I do lead generation. Uh, I'm on more of the sales side, account management, all that good stuff. Um, we have a lot of, uh, I guess, home improvement companies that, that we're currently uh, sending leads to. Uh, all over the U.S., so um, it's fully remote, which is nice. So if I get that little music break, it's kind of nice <laughs> as well. Yeah, so um, that's a big bonus. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I mean, a lot of my a lot of my jobs have been kind of within you know sales, uh, business development in various industries. You know, within print. Um, you know, a little bit of uh, cars. Um, also, I used to do a lot of irrigation work in the summers. That was great when I was younger. So you go, kind of go outside, get a little bit of a tan. Uh, and then you call it a day when it gets dark. Right. So, um, but yeah, I've had lots of cool jobs. Um, quite a few driving jobs that I actually, <laughs> I was doing, um, I did tire delivery for a few years Interesting. and, um, I would drive, uh, one of my days I would have like a North run. So I'd drive up to all the way up to about Red Deer, sometimes Edmonton and kind of East, West, South to all the kind of surrounding towns. But anyways, it's, uh, I had a lot of, um, time to just listen to a ton of music and I love that. Right. Cause it, it made like an eight hour drive for a day seem like, you know, nothing. It's like, Oh, that's three podcasts of music. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always diving in that way and, um, learning about new artists and then getting home and kind of, um, looking into their, um, you know, kind of background, you know, whatever it is, right. Learning, learning about, yeah, everything there. So, Uh, yeah, that was something that I really enjoyed about those types of jobs. Right. was just the downtime and I always found time for music. Looking
0: back, did, uh, that was kind of my next question. Looking Mm -hmm. back, did you feel like you chose those types of jobs because it allowed you to kind of be half into them and half do what you actually wanted to do as your passion?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So everything that I always look at was, okay, um, Obviously, a majority of the gigs, if it's not a long weekend, it's on the weekend. So if you're doing something that's just like a nine to five, uh, Monday to Friday, then you have that time, right? Mm -hmm. So, and you always have your evenings too, you know, either work on music, make mixes, uh, so on and so forth.
0: And did you kind of just do all these jobs just to support the the long-term goal potentially? What what did that look like? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In blunt, yes. Uh, Yes.
1: Um, So... Yeah. Inadvertently. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's always, it's always in the the background of, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to be putting towards uh, new gear or what I'm doing, you know, just to, yeah, just to keep myself motivated in every aspect to hopefully get to that level where, um, you know, producing bigger records, um, doing bigger collaborations, remixes, um, and then transitioning. Right.
0: I feel that like every DJ has that challenge, right. Where they are, you know, have the day job where they have to pay the bills and they need the time. They're probably fighting between time and money where they want to do the gigs and they want to become better and produce. What's that challenge like?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of... See, I use the Pomodoro method, right? So if you're kind of just focusing in, you know, even if you have an hour a day, it adds up, right? So there's so many challenges, you know, it's it's almost like timing to go to the gym, right? So say you're going to the gym, Um, and you dedicate yourself every single day. It's the same with any other job or something that you're working towards, right? You always have to just set it aside, even though it doesn't feel like you're getting that much done. As long as you see that end goal, it may take a little bit longer depending on how far you spread it out. But as soon as you can align your time like that, and you can focus that way. So I find it's good.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about, I guess, kind of again back to the memory of of starting DJing. Do you remember the first kind of equipment, the first decks? I don't know if they had CDJs then at the beginning, but uh, what did that look like?
1: They they did have CDJs um, earlier on, but what I it was actually a friend of mine, my my best friend Jack. He um, he he had this. Uh, I think it was like a Tech Twelve two-channel mixer, and then I think it was like a Stanton, something like that, I mm-hmm. can't remember the model. but Because um, usually into like hip-hop scratching. And um, that kind of got the feel of, you know, kind of putting two records together and having an acapella, a beat, and just kind of messing around that way. Um, but that was the first kind of decks that I would mess around on. Um, the first decks that I bought for myself, uh, I believe it was a CDJ 400s. So they're like these little, they look like little Walkmans super limited for I, yeah, any had kind of them. display did I, you yeah oh were, the little I thought, red the little red ring yeah, yeah. i thought they were amazing though
0: I, I oh thought yeah they were the best thing i was like these are absolutely crazy because yeah i think did you ever try vinyl at the beginning
1: i tried a, a little bit of vinyl yeah um but i found because i like to um you know obviously dive into music quickly and go through stuff yeah. i just found digital was on the up yeah um you know as far as you know, and, and being, you know, limited on, on cash, whatever, you can just, you know, download a lot of that music, test it out, um, opposed to, you know, committing to full records. Um, and I know obviously the, the, the standard in clubs, um, is, is those CDJs too, right? So
0: yeah, I guess equipment now we're talking about equipment, obviously I know how much that costs and a lot of people will know it's, it's a lot of money to either rent or buy, Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've always set aside in your day jobs to build up equipment over time? Or have you just used equipment from clubs? How does that work?
1: Um, Clubs, it's usually uh, set up like the um, CDJ's mixer. Everything is all set up there. Sometimes a microphone. Um, If you bring anything else in, like a drum machine or if you're using a a controller, uh, usually, yeah, you can bring that in separately. But as far as what's there, it's usually there. Um, if you're doing mobile gigs, like any kind of weddings or anything like that, it's usually you bring the full rig.
0: Okay, cool. So, for, for I guess you talked about weddings, then we've talked about festivals a little bit. How would you describe to people? I guess what your personal brand is or genre of music. That's kind of two compounded questions there, but. How would, if someone was saying, you know, what, what do you do for DJing? Mm -hmm. What do you, you know, do you do weddings? Do you do festivals? (laughs) What does it look like for someone that completely didn't know? How would you kind of talk, talk someone through that?
1: See, I would kind of have it in two parts, right? So, and this is kind of how I've thought about it as well. Cause you know, if you have older folks, I don't say old people, but they say, oh, you're a DJ. Oh, you're like a disc jockey. You must play like in the pubs or you must play like on the radio or, you know, or they knew Or they know one or two names of, you know, maybe Tiesto or, you know, whatever it is, right? But I see it as, you know, making your music and then debuting it via DJing, right? So uh, because I've kind of started producing and DJing around the same time, that was always my intent was, you know, debuting my music through DJing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think, again, back to... Well, I kind of tried to get into DJing, but typically people start at like the weddings and the bars, and then it eventually obviously goes up to your your festivals and and bigger nightclubs as well. But it's not easy to do, right? That's the constant challenge. And I think for you, you're obviously in a highly competitive industry. It's a very saturated industry, um, extremely difficult to make money, make a name for yourself. Um, You obviously love it, but talk to me about what motivates you to keep going. You know, I think a lot of people eventually go, I'm not getting anything from this or I'm losing motivation because I'm not getting the traction you think you may have. Cause you may think mm-hmm. it's quicker, but talk to me about that a little bit about the the motivation and what, what makes you want to continue.
1: I mean, yeah. Motivation I'd say is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing. Um, for me, I used to always put kind of the end goal, almost like the end all be all and forget about all the little steps that it takes to get there, you know? Um, you know, for instance, it's like, how am I going to get on X festival, you know, kind of debuting as an artist, you know, obviously you need content branding, um, all these things all in one, and you need to have either your sound, um, you know, producing your music and getting a following that way. Right. Um, uh, but just saying, Hey, I just want to do this, you know, you have to have some kind of uh, plan in the way. Right. So, but just to acknowledge that it does take the work to get there but it is i mean it is a, a grind but as long as you can look back and go okay well i'm better than yesterday i'm better than last week right so
0: did you said it was a grind is that you know have you gone through the phase of you've had to do free gigs you've had mm-hmm. to really you know go into bar. <laughs> you're probably gonna say you've done hundreds but what, what's that journey like to obviously yes you can see there's pictures of you doing badlands festival or things like that but there's obviously a massive journey there that people don't see, right? They may sometimes just see your name or your logo, but there's yeah. a huge story behind that. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, like when you're a younger DJ starting out, I mean, you don't really think of getting paid. You're just like, oh, I'm getting exposure. I'm just getting, and, th- and that's how, you know, a lot of the time, how, how it was, right? Um, as long as you're, you know, playing more gigs, um, soaking it in, um, playing more people, you um, you know, that's, that's the, that's the way that it goes in the beginning when you don't really think of, you know, oh, I'm actually investing so much time either looking for music, curating music, making music. Um, but, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I wasn't even thinking about in the beginning of, okay, maybe I should be charging for this or maybe I should be, you know, so, um, and that, and that kind of, kind of messes up things too, right? Is that move. a regret
0: then now that you didn't think that way that, cause like you said, it's a passion. You obviously clearly enjoyed DJing, but if you thought about that potentially earlier, would that have been better off or do you feel like that wouldn't have been right?
1: Well, I think just starting out, just taking anything you can just to get that experience of being in front of people as well, right? I mm. think that's crucial uh, because, you know, that's what helps you grow and, you know, learn to work a room when there's less people there, learn to, you know, kind of adapt with kind of what the direction of the sound is going for the night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing, too, is uh, I would always go into it with an idea of how I'd want it to build up. And, you know, you kind of gauge the crowd and you gauge how everyone's reacting and you're like, OK, wow, I need to completely change how I'm going to uh, play tonight. Right.
0: Was there a big like was there a big turning point, I guess, in exposure? Again, you said you've, you've built up and you've got to make a name for yourself, play at bars or nightclubs, whatever that may be. Do you feel like there was a turning point when you started to get traction that you can remember?
1: Um, as far as kind of breaking out of, you know, just playing like the, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you've played,
0: you've played in some bigger venues and you Mm. played at festivals and you don't start that way, right? You do start at your bars (laughs) typically, right? So there was obviously a turning point and that may have been because of the people that you were meeting or how you performed, but what was that like in your experience?
1: Um, I guess the, one of the main turning points was I was playing, it was for a friend's production company that he just started up. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm looking for more of like a house DJ. And this is maybe my third gig in second or third gig. in. I was like, okay, awesome. So, you know, I played this, um, I played this event, I believe it was down at the bank. Uh, I think it was still called the bank at that time. And so I played there. And then uh, my now good friend uh, Titus one was actually there. And that's kind of how we started talking. There was an event coming up that that he was playing on. And then it kind of started moving from there. So, very grateful that he was there, and very grateful that we've, you know, obviously kept in touch. And um, yeah, he's helped me out immensely there. But um, it's uh, yeah, it was just crazy to see, right? It's just um, right place, right time with how a lot of contacts have been made. So, yeah
0: and, and, and I guess gigs that you've played, obviously a lot of different ones. People have either seen you or they haven't yet. They're, they're listening to this. Talk to me a bit about the, I guess, the events that you have done, some of the memorable ones you can share as, as many as you like.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, there's there's some fun ones. Um, so the first time I played outside of the city, it was down in Miami. Uh, I want to say that was about 2012. Um, on the label that I signed uh, my first couple of tracks with, um, Titus One's label, actually, uh, Orphan Music, we uh, did a little bit of a label party um, at this club called therapy. So it was right next to space Miami. So space Miami, just like the, the behemoth. Um, and the night of the event, I believe it was Paul Oakenfold. He was doing his, you know, uh, album tour. He was doing this, this big release party, but it was 21 and up and ours was 18 and up. And obviously his following is massive. And, um, uh, there was a lot of people kind of, you know, bummed that they weren't able to get in, um, so yeah we just uh, yeah we're just like oh you would take it for there yeah you can just come in here it's 18 and up so that was really cool and just exploring a new place and being like I'm Djing here like a guy from Calgary it's it was just unreal it was it was so cool
0: so, so did did that place evidently fill up because there was like an overflow mm-hmm. that couldn't end up getting into that place yeah nice. yeah
1: so um and we I, I wanna I wanna say we went till about, 4 or 5 a.m., something like that. But, um, yeah, it was it was really, really cool. Uh, really, really cool to see just a crowd come in. I'm like, this is a new city. There's people here that are dancing in a completely different place, right? So, yeah, seeing that was really cool. Um, I played, um, obviously, festivals, uh, local festivals in Calgary. Uh, but there's another one up in Edmonton, and it was called Elements, uh, hosted by Budang um, great guys there. And it was just the, the production on the event was just amazing. Uh, it was in the Edmonton expo center. So they had like four or five wings, all these different cool, um, you know, I guess, branded stages, like a fire stage, like they're all the elements. Right. So it was just, yeah, it was just so cool to see that. Right. Um, so yeah, that was definitely another, uh, big memory there too.
0: As an artist, you probably can tell, when you go to an event like you said the production you can probably tell complete differences when you go and you're like this is going to be an awesome event because of how it's set up for you obviously you're performing you you need your tools mm-hmm. and cdjs whatever you want to call it yeah, yeah do you notice that quite a lot when you go to when you show up at events and there's you know you can look at them and go this is really a good setup that i've got here or there's been events that you've equally gone to that you are probably been like this is going to be a tough one
1: yeah I, well, I think I think in the, the earlier days, uh, just kind of when I was starting out, I mean, uh, just depending on where I was playing at, I mean, they would just kind of have their in-house, like, multi-track um, CDJs and stuff, too, and, um, you know, thankfully, a lot of them were CD players, so I always had CDs on hand during, you know, like, kind of like the first five, six years, but USBs are, you know, kind of what I use now, but... There were some close calls where I was like, oh yeah, I, I hope this will work. Um, you know, you'd kind of budget and you'd be skipping, it'd be essentially like a record, right? Like you'd be just touching it and you'd be super sensitive. So it was more so like, okay, I just don't want this thing to get too hot or, you know, some, yeah, just get bumped and turn off, you know, but yeah, the standard for any, any clubs is, you know, pretty, pretty much the same across the board. So it's never really an issue that way. Um, yeah, every venue now it's, it's, you know, either pioneer or Denon, um, Mm -hmm. I haven't really seen a lot of Denon, but, um, yeah, Pioneer is still what I'm seeing in all the clubs.
0: You probably know what I'm going to ask now, but it's about bad experiences. So yeah, you, you've obviously going you know, to have had some bad experiences when it comes to DJing, whether that's equipment failure, not filling the room, whatever that may be. Can you share any, uh, oh, <laughs> any man. experiences you've got?
1: Oh man. Um, actually this one was in Miami during that, that gig. Um, so, uh, the CDJs, they have an emergency feature on it, uh, like an emergency four bar loop. So I remember going into this one track and then I was like, Oh, I was like the intro kind of sounds a little bit, I was like, why is it playing out for so long? And I look over and it's this, um, it's just like this thing that says like emergency loop and it's just this thing. So like the music didn't stop, but it just kept on, it just kept on looping the the track. And I was like, Oh man. But, um, you know, at first I probably I, I probably let it run for about you know twenty seconds before I was like, oh, why is it? Why, why is it doing that? Right. Um, another time, <laughs> it was in a it was in a club here, and um, I won't say which club was, but <laughs> you um, can if you want. <laughs> uh, but um, there was this. Uh, I want to say it was like a water line or something like that. It was dripping onto not only one of the main speakers. Uh, It was dripping onto it. It was dripping onto, I want to say it was the amp behind us. So the, I didn't notice because I had my headphones on, but everyone was just like, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right. But it was, it was the speaker that was shorting out. So it was like screeching and doing all this stuff. And I, I kind of like took down my headphones. I was like, Oh, what the heck? Right. Um, And then the, right after that, the CDJ started cutting out. We thought it was the CDJs. And then we look and we're like, oh yeah, it's been just getting like dripped on, right? So uh, kind of out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had you know other instances, you know, whether or not you're doing you know earlier on doing corporate gigs or something where you know someone kind of comes up close and steps on a power thing and it unplugs it and stuff like that. But usually it's a pretty easy fix and yeah. it's not really like that. But you know, yeah, there's been times where I've gone to because on the CDJs you have the the cue and the play where you go to hit play and hit Q and it stops a track <laughs> to the start. And you're like, Oh no. <laughs> right. But like the less, the less you make a deal of it, mm-hmm. you just kind of laugh it off and just play something else. right? Yeah. You're I mean like, oh, the, pe- the people like, in the room
0: tend to not know you are so far in your head you're because, like, oh, if God. You,
1: because if you do doing it stops, but if you let that silence just drag on, then people just catch on. Right. And they catch on quicker and quicker and quicker. So if you do that you're like oh crap and then you can just start a track right well ho- so,
0: hopefully there's no more uh, no more of those issues no. but i'm sure there will be down the line
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah talk to me
0: about um, i guess your favorite event to play again you've talked about festivals or clubs not necessarily a place that you've played but what's kind of your most whether it's an intimate scene or you prefer festivals what what's kind of your your vibe for your energy you prefer
1: see that see cuz cuz both of them have a unique value. Right. Um, if it's more intimate, it's just because you can see everybody. Right. And you can see exactly how everyone's vibing to it. Right. So I love that, but I also love being on a bigger stage where it's like, Oh my God, look at all these people. And they're also, I can see all of them. I can't see finite details, but I can see, you know, that you're commanding or, you know, like, yeah, you just have like this huge room where everyone's dancing and they're, yeah, it's just, it's just a great feeling that way. Oh, that answers it. It's kind of a <laughs> yeah,
0: kind of you're a like, back I too- love it all. I love it all. Yeah, no, I think th- I understand. Two different things, right? yeah, no, I, I understand that. Yeah. And I think a lot of some people like that intimate scene only in that they mm-hmm. really want to be in the crowd, some people yeah. just prefer the big the big festivals, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think, to be a good DJ, you have to be good at both because yeah. Yeah. They, they are so different. Exactly, and being able to control a crowd in both of those, mm-hmm. you can't play the same at a festival like you can at an intimate. Right? Exactly, because exactly. It can be yeah. too heavy if yeah. you compare it to a festival. So yeah. no, that that definitely answers that. I want to talk about, I guess, the scene that's constantly evolving, which we touched on a tiny bit right at the beginning. How do you adapt and stay current in, in a scene that's like that?
1: Um, well, I for for one, I, I really enjoy it. Right. Because you have, you know, these genres that were so, you know, this isn't trance because it's not this BPM or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, But now it's, you know, you're embracing just different styles that make a really cool, unique track, right? So I'm embracing it. I've, you know, obviously over COVID I've been producing, I produce a lot of different genres, just completely different from what I'm normally producing just because, for one, just to get, you know, another influence. But, um, you know, I, I, I get influences from everything. It doesn't have to be from electronic music. It can be from the blues. It can be from yeah, jazz, it can be from alternative rock or just any anything really. Um, I love all all music, right? So if you're just trying to just produce this one thing and not evolve, usually you just kind of stay behind.
0: And of do, you, do you feel like you have to, obviously you do have to evolve or you would stay behind, but do you feel like because of popularity you have to go a certain route? Have you started to drift away from, I guess, your passion of genre because of popularity? Because I know Sometimes that can happen to DJs, right? They feel like because of popularity, I have to go this way or I will get behind. And some stay their own cause and it ends up better for them, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm guilty for that. (laughs) You know, kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, big room is big at this time. So, okay, I'm going to have a few of those tracks. But really it's just, you know, I mean, you can take it or leave it or, you know, I find just staying true to you is, is always the best way because it always evolves anyways. You know, you're not gonna be producing the same exact sounding style and track that you were doing 20 years ago, right? Um, So there's always that influence whether, yeah, whether you like it or not is always going to come into your music. Um, And it can be subtle things too. It's not completely changing genres. It's just, you know, the way that you're writing your drums or the way that you're doing your synths or the way that you're laying out anything, right?
0: yeah yeah i think that's that's it you've got to be you you're in the danger of starting to follow a crowd as a lot of djs do and they become lost at who they are you know you've got to be yourself and that's the performance people tend to come see you when they're standing Mm -hmm. in front of you um and i think that's important but let's talk about producing now i I guess let's shift the focus a little bit so in 2016 you opened your own record label with your friend chris guest uh, yes. Um, other people may know him as guest too. Guest two, yep. Um, so he's an incredible producer, um, DJ and a DJ from Calgary, but tell me a little bit about that relationship. How did that start?
1: Uh, we actually met through some mutual friends, um, and, uh, yeah, we'd just see each other out at events and, um, you know, from that common love for house music, tech house, progressive, everything. Um, you know, we'd always just run into each other and then, um, you know, started, to, you know, obviously both of us started taking it more seriously with, with production and um, yeah, we've actually written a few tracks together, um, most recent Mind Control, right? So, um, but yeah, both of our passions just align like that. And we're like, why don't we just start our own label? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so, sure. um, and especially too, because um, it is daunting, especially when you have a, a track that's done and you're like, now what? Mm-hmm. You know, As far as setting it out to all these labels, being like, hey, we're a new label, we're approaching you, we'd love to release this, right? Because we see that vision there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely want to get into, I guess, the challenges. I want to get into this because I don't think a lot of people know about producing. I Mm. think they see people as a DJ and Mm -hmm. the songs come from thin air. Um, But obviously that's not the case. There's a lot of work that goes into production and and challenges. Tell me about, obviously, yes, there's the production side of it, of making the songs and coming up with that. But talk to me about the challenges within production.
1: There's... there's quite a few. Um, and that's why, you know, obviously when I was first producing, I did a lot of self, you know, like self kind of teachings on, on a lot of things, which some of them worked out and some of them I was just completely lost. So, um, Crystal Paitra actually from, from Calgary, um, I, I reached out to him. I knew that he was, um, you know, pretty credible with actually knowing the basics of just getting going because I, I, I wouldn't want to, lean off in such a far way that I didn't want to unlearn a lot of these bad habits. So he helped me immensely and just kind of getting me focused on that in my in, in my early days. Um, so yeah, and I mean, that's, yeah, that's just the thing there is just, um, you know, trying to, for one, develop your own sound, but to actually get the music done <laughs> because there's so many times where I have 90% done of, of my track and I'll just leave it. So, and I have that for about like, countless tracks right
0: Wh- why 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 did you get to that 90 percent? what's the what's stopping you get over the finish line
1: because i think it's like with any art it's not it's it's not ever done it's just done when you walk away mm-hmm. right so especially with when you're over analyzing your own music there's always something else you can add or something else you can tweak and you're like oh it sounds weird whatever it is right or you leave it for about a week you come back and you're like oh okay yeah yeah i can fix these things so it's a constant cycle so I've been giving myself just deadlines of, okay, like this is when you're stepping away from it. Um, and if there's nothing technical missing and all your creativeness is, is into it, then, um, then yeah, then I just kind of pull it. And I'm like, okay, it's done. So.
0: Yeah, I, I see that, right? It's, it is art, right? And it, it's like a painting. You could constantly tweak yeah, never, and change the yeah. color and it, it's, it's never done. It's That's away. probably difficult then because it's, that can probably almost get obsessive, right? Where you're like, how? when is it done? How's it gonna be perfect?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, but if it's always a little bit better or a little bit or you've improved it on your next track, if you're like, okay, every single time I have to do this, um, I have to layer this, this kind of hat. I have to do, you know, kind of better mixing on low end, better, you know, whatever it is. Um, But if you can notice that progression in your music, then you're like, okay, obviously I'm doing something right. Uh, Instead of always trying to strive for it has to be like this Mm -hmm. every single time. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that was my issue was, you know, I would load in a, uh, a reference track and i would be like, oh, man, like it's going to take forever. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of defeats you. Right. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have those building blocks of just always improving slightly or just taking that change into your next track, t- taking that change until eventually you look back on, you know, 10 tracks later and you're like, it sounds like a completely different mm-hmm. style now.
0: When you're producing, would you say you're producing the track for yourself or are you producing it for what people would like?
1: It's a bit of both. Um, It would obviously be a genre that I enjoy to produce. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, you have to, you know, because of the exposure to just hearing how certain tracks do and you're like, okay, yeah, I think this would work here, you know. um, I mean, typically if you're making like a club edit, you're like, I'm making this for the club, Um, you know. Compared to you know, if you have maybe an album or something where you're just going to have little tidbits of of things where it's more just for you and kind of hopefully your fans like it. So um, to kind of, I mean, I hope that answers it. Yeah. But yeah. 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 No, yeah. for
0: sure. I, I think I, I guess I want to know a bit about your production process. Now, obviously, you could be working with Chris. Maybe you work on your own sometimes. But can you walk me through a little bit about what the production process looks like? So if you're you know, thinking you're going to start coming up with a song. Mm-hmm. How, how does that even start? What, what, what do you do for your process?
1: Um, I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, you know, kind of in the beginning of my production, when I would finish a track, I would open a brand, new, um, a brand new blank space, get intimidated by it, and then kind of procrastinate about starting up a new track. But, you know, creating your own templates, um, just for getting all your instruments loaded is, like, key. It just saves so much uh, setup. Um, I don't go into it saying, Hey, I want it to sound like this, but as soon as I, or, you know, I guess, depending on how I start it. if I'm starting on drums, usually I make something a little more housey, right. More groovy. Um, if I'm just going off of, you know, some kind of pad, um, I'm like, okay, well, I kind of want to go with something maybe more melodic here. Right. So it really depends on what I'm feeling in the beginning. And then I try to just, gently push it into that, that space. And sometimes it completely changes and I'm like, no, it actually sounds better with, with this. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I got, yeah, I hope that that's, uh, yeah,
0: no, definitely. I'm just, you know, I'm curious of kind of the thought process. Like you said, it's an art you're creating an art and it's not an easy thing. There's so many moving pieces when people think of a song, whether it's three minutes, Again, there's a lot that goes into that, into the background. How do you bring the melodies, the songs, yeah. the vocals, all the things that you've got to consider before releasing that track, right, to, to yeah. the public and, and they're going to have, you know, opinions on whether they like it or not, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but just to go back into the, to the production uh, standpoint, it's, um, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely been some times where I've kind of been thinking in a certain way of, okay, you know, I want this track to sound... A lot harder. I want this track to just be like club ready, like banging the walls off. Right. Mm -hmm. But some of them, I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to focus on anything drum wise, anything rhythmic. I just want to create like beautiful chords and beautiful melodies and just literally work on that for weeks and just mess around with that until I tweak that perfectly and then bring in everything else, all the other elements.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a a journey and a a process. Obviously, you released Mind Control. That's Mm -hmm. been out for a a bit of time now. Talk to me, I guess, about the process of obviously releasing that and the build up to releasing that, and also tell me what it's like now it's out. What's what's that experience been like?
1: It's been great. Uh, It's been great overall. Um, But you know, to kind of to where it started, obviously um, living in different houses, uh, but still being within the same city, uh, I would just kind of go over to Chris's studio, start working on stuff, sending him, you know, um, whether or not it's just, okay, yeah, I think these drums would kind of work well, uh, any kind of percussion, any kind of riff, what do you want to write in, what key, um, oh, I have a cool baseline idea, I'm going to send it over and we can kind of compile like this master file of, of things, right, um at first we kind of had the idea of going something a little bit more because we'll kind of have like a reference track in mind of, Hey, like I kind of like how, uh, cause that one was, we had some Christoph um, esque kind of idea, um, that we kind of like, we like how some of his songs are are structured and, um, that was kind of how we wanted to do it in the beginning. And then just over time as we were working on it, um, we didn't want to force anything. So, uh, like a lot of different sounds, we would swap in and out um, different pianos, different uh, synths, different you know basslines, everything. Uh, and then when it got to a point of, okay, this sounds great, but this would sound even better with a really talented vocalist on it, right? So uh, we reached out to Alicia, and she's a singer-songwriter. She's been on some some pretty big tracks as well. So she she understands like the um, I guess writing style uh, with electronic music too. Right. So she was amazing with, you know, getting the idea, um, of kind of what we were looking for. Right. Cause as far as writing a song, it's like, my knowledge is just very limited, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just mm-hmm. very, very limited. Um, so as far as having that free flowing, um, she was so good with, okay, we can go for this mood. We can kind of go for this mood. This is what I'm feeling. Um, give me a few days and I'm going to get some ideas together. So she gave us all these ideas for us to work with. And we we're like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. You know, plugging them into the track and just it just meshed so well with what we were making. So
0: did, did you feel like you knew instantly which part of the vocals was going to be it? Or was that the yeah. challenge then to fit it in?
1: Yeah. So she kind of um, she would bounce ideas off us. She would say, OK, this direction, this kind of what I'm thinking as, you know, kind of within the you know breakdown, kind of having this and this and this. And um, during each bridge, let's maybe have this. Um, as far as singing there but it was just the emotion that she brought to it we knew instantly okay let's let's put this here let's put this right before the hook let's put this right before the breakdown Um, and um, yeah and then it just flowed so great like it's just it was amazing to work with her amazing
0: i've obviously listened to it but if anyone else wants to listen to it what what platforms is it available for them to listen to uh
1: every platform (laughs) it's on uh yeah any any streaming service you have um yeah it should be on there so
0: cool I'm sure they'll uh, they'll check the, it out yeah. after this. Let yeah. us know what you think about that. But let's talk about, I guess, kind of where you're taking the production now. You've been doing it for a bit of time with Chris as well. Yeah. What's your kind of plans for for that? Are you planning to make more music? What, what's the thoughts there?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely making more music on on my end. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, I would I would get to a point with a lot of my music where okay, I'm hitting about ninety percent, and then I'm starting something new. But now I've been coming back to all these tracks that I've left, and I'm like new inspiration. I can get these done now. So, um, I've wrapped up about four new tracks. Um, so it's just a matter of, okay, where do I want to shop with who would like to release this track? Um, as well as can release on, on loud enough on our label. Um, so that's, that's something that, uh, is that next phase of, okay, now I've poured everything into this track and and now what right
0: what's that feeling like though if you say if you've got it it's all done or it feels all done Mm -hmm. but nothing's happening with it so to speak what does that feel like for you because for me that would be frustrating it's like doing a podcast and be like i can't release it like why not and yeah what what does that feel like for you
1: um well i guess well i guess it's not like all for nothing kind of thing it's it's more so uh kind of leading up to that you know I'm sending it off to a lot of, you know, producer friends, um, that are on, you know, kind of various labels as well. And just, and, you know, just kind of getting feedback and sure. honest feedback of, yeah, take that out, you know, uh, add this, take this out. Um, so that's another thing that that's helped me, um, you know, get more of those, I guess, doors opened in a sense, because, yeah. you know, just getting crucial, honest feedback is what you need as an artist, right? You just need to. S- I mean, especially with producing something like this, right? It's a new, fresh set of ears. That's something that you've just been overlooking the whole time, uh, really pops out in either a good or a bad way, right? Do you get so.
0: conflicting feedback? And how do you deal with that? Sorry? Do you get, like, conflicting feedback? So oh, conflicting. For example, so conflicting. if I said, you know, I really like it, and someone else said, you need to remove this part, how do you deal with that? Because it probably can be quite a bit of back and forth sometimes if there's different uh, opinions.
1: Well, usually it's um, usually it's just my my friends that listen to okay. you know, other genres like oh dude yeah that sounds sick yeah, yeah. cool right yeah. and then producer friends you know complete honesty like nah this sounds too light you know maybe maybe take out that that drum line okay yeah the kick sounds way off it just sounds out of sync like you know whatever it is right so that that's what I truly appreciate it's because you you need that hard feedback mm-hmm. um, and to kind of lead in as well uh, kind of on this producing um, journey too is. Um, you know, actually working alongside Eddie Thonic has been amazing. And that honest feedback has been so helpful, right? So um, having a lot of Zoom sessions with him, uh, with uh, refined recordings, and um, he's been helping me, you know, obviously tremendously and and, and getting, getting to work quicker on tracks, learn when it's just like a no and um, how everything meshes together, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's just like a further... Uh, I guess, push within within my music too. Yeah,
0: you no, know, for sure. And I think the transition, like, not everyone goes into producing, right? I think that can be daunting going into that. You, you can stick it being a DJ, <laughs> but going into producing, that's when you're opening up more to the critics. This feedback involved mm-hmm. takes a long time. So yeah. no, I, I love that you've got into that. For, I guess, kind of the next phase for you when it comes to producing and DJing, I guess, specifically this year, what have you kind of got planned there?
1: Um, I have some uh, some gigs coming up here uh, this month into May. I'll be out in Vancouver in April doing a little show there. It'll be more of an intimate, like we were talking about, boiler room style vibe. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be cool. So that, that's in the works right now. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And then, um, yeah, moving into the summer with, um, you know, the festivals coming up. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And then um, in the fall uh I'll be over at ADE uh probably just attending um meeting some other contacts over there as well um because yeah I haven't been to the conference in I want to say like two years now two three years so I went quite a bit so I went for a few years mm-hmm. and um yeah the contacts you make there the events that are there are just amazing so cool for,
0: for people to kind of check out and keep up to date with where you're playing what's the best is that just Instagram to kind of keep up with where you're next playing?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram, for the most part, I have it synced up with my website as well, okay. Um But um, yeah, I know that uh, Yeah, social media is the, the, the quickest way okay. to, to, to see. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah the, yeah, the next one up is next weekend on the, on the 4th. There we, go.
0: So. there we go. Well, I'm sure you'll see many uh, many faces similar and, and new at the, the next, uh, next yeah, events yeah. you do. Let's kind of switch a little bit topics now, I guess, sure. into mental health. Sure. Sometimes we cover this throughout and, yeah. and, you know, I think it's going to be one of those topics that obviously any industry, specifically yours, you're going to be facing some challenges. Talk to me about, I guess, kind of the sacrifices and challenges that you've had to make in the industry that you're in.
1: Well, it's definitely the evenings and the weekends, right? I mean, especially if you're working during the week and, you know, it takes up a lot of your time just to begin with during the week then you have your weekend to relax or kind of do whatever get out of town um but yeah you're essentially working in the evening until until late so that eats into those next days right depending on how late you're out um or playing so it's uh it it definitely takes a lot more planning and um you know that's yeah that's just kind of you know how yeah how it is for the so if if
0: if you're playing late or early mornings i guess and then you were up for work the next day is that affecting you next day or have you just oh, yeah. got it well t- <laughs> well tuned that you're uh, a machine
1: yeah um i mean i find like i know it, it's i know it's yeah bad to have obviously less sleep but i um yeah i just try to sleep uh, obviously when i can and i try to you know obviously limit myself for how late i'm out uh you know obviously if you have prior commitments anything like that but typically if i'm working usually that would be the monday to friday and then it would be friday saturday either friday or saturday mm-hmm. so it's you, you you have a day to you know kind of recoup but i um, mean yeah, usually by monday i'm usually good to go so
0: <laughs> i'll see you on yeah. a monday see what you like yeah yeah obviously that's the physical strain um, mm-hmm. that that's Brings into the mental strain, but you're also surrounded by partying, right? That's the other side of it, and you're not necessarily. But how do you deal with that? Are you drinking at the same time? How do you balance that?
1: Uh, usually, when I'm uh, playing, it's um, you know because I want to experience you know firsthand how everything's going on. I know um, just out of you know either TJ's being nervous or whatever they they need to have a few, but um, for me. Because that's how I started DJing. I was never, you know, getting you know drunk or anything like that before I was playing. I, I always found it would kind of uh, either I would be enjoying it too much, <laughs> and no one else would, mm-hmm. uh, because you always got to play. It's it's for the people. You're playing for the people. So, um, you know, yeah, can have some drinks after, but it's um, yeah, it's something that I like to be you know zoned in on when when I'm playing. Right? Yeah,
0: that's that's fair. I think so. It, it's I've seen some djs that get very sucked into to that life right you're surrounded yeah. by the party and sometimes it's the same it's like servers on a bar <clears throat> they're so yeah. they're really getting sucked yeah. into the energy that's around them and that's yeah. quite hard to do because mm. it's contagious and, and you being it surrounded is. by that but i think back on time times obviously the biggest challenge that you deal with i've seen a lot of people burn out not just in djing but other industries too yeah And, you know, talented, very talented people, they hit that wall. And especially when it comes to like touring schedules and things like that, how have you managed to create a work-life balance? Even to me, when you're saying, you know, whether I do nine to five and then I'm at a gig till 4 a.m. and then I'm back in, how have you managed to create a routine that that allows you to continue doing what
1: you're doing? I think because I've been playing for quite some time, you know, and I find that, um, you know, as far as, you know, working kind of during the day, I'm, I'm, I never find myself being creative. So in the evening is when I get like my second wind and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm starting right back up. It's not like, oh, I have to kind of do this. Right. It's just like, that's when my creative juices come in. It's Mm -hmm. never hitting me at, you know, six or seven in the morning. Right. Yeah. So I find that that balance is nice. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, when you're, when you're going and playing on the weekends, um, I mean, you still have your, your days during the day. So, um, I don't want to say I'm one of those only people that need six hours of sleep, but um, I find if I can have strategic good sleep throughout the week, then I can kind of take it back a little bit on the weekend. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think it's just about balance, right? I think you're you're the only person that can get into your routine. I think probably from the outside, it seems crazy. Like you look at that (laughs) and go, okay, that's not enough time to sleep. How are you going to pre-produce it? But like you explained, you you getting that second win. That's when mm-hmm. you're probably performing at your best because now your body's used to that and, you, and and you've done it for such a while now. You talked about with me um kind of behind the scenes being your harshest critic. Um, I want to kind yeah. of understand why you struggle with that.
1: As with any art, right? Um, you know, I find if... And what I've taught myself too is for me, if I'm starting a track or you know, I'm getting stuck on it or I'm almost done. But it gets to a point where it's like from the start of it to the end, I've been listening to it on repeat. But that first moment that I felt, oh, this, this riff is amazing. This pad sounds great or this melody, whatever it is. That's what I need to remember because no one else is sitting there at the same time, right? So it's when you present your brand new track or they hear it for the first time, hopefully how you felt when You're first making it, that's what they're hearing, mm-hmm. right? So, that was the toughest thing for me to accept because I think a lot of the time, because I was just being so repetitive with things, um, I'm just like, Oh, yeah, you know what? I would almost convince myself that I'm like, Oh, you know what? I don't like it. Did, thing, did right? that
0: meant, yeah, no, for sure. Did that kind of mentally affect like, it, was that getting you down? And then you realize, Okay, I need to switch my mindset here because I'm kind of driving into that routine of being my harshest critic? How did you deal with that part?
1: Um, I mean, for me, because I was a very black and white, okay, I can only work on one thing at a time, and then only until it's absolutely done, then I'm moving on to the next. That can be daunting as well. You know, start up three, four at once. So you're always bringing in a new idea from something you've started into another track, right? It can be a completely different genre, um, speed, anything, right? But just having that at your fingertips, not too much, because I'm kind of ADD, right? Because you're mm-hmm. just kind of all over the place. But, you know, having specific things that you're doing for each keeps it keeps it fun, right? Like, it keeps it not mundane of, okay, I have to, you know, go into more of a technical aspect here. Um, you know what I mean? If yeah. that makes sense. No, yeah. for
0: sure. And have you had, like, negative... Obviously, you've probably had negative comments, but have you had a negative experience at all that you've experienced, whether it's in DJing or performing, and what, what's that been like?
1: Um, Yes, yeah, both from, yeah, both from, you know, starting out when you have, you know, someone kind of yell something or whatever it is, you just kind of, you just take it and you just, with the grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you get people online, you get trolls online, that'll... Kind of say stuff like that, but it's just you just kind of shrug it off, right? Roll, roll so, with the punches, yeah, because they're not going to come up to your face and say that, yeah, right. So you got to hide behind that, right? So that's just all all I got to say about that. But um, you know, there's been I mean, like with any industry, you'll have you know whether whether or not it's an artist or um, just kind of people you know in the scene. It's um, yeah, you always got some that some that are kind of yeah, no no comment on that, but yeah. you know they're kind of yeah they're you know obviously not really um either drawn or I'm, I'm not either drawn to them to be like uh yeah no mm-hmm. probably gonna avoid this person or you know whatever it is so.
0: yeah i think i think it's a challenge obviously you're whichever way you look at it you're performing and people are critics in all aspects yeah. whether that's behind uh, a keyboard or not and, and that can yeah. be difficult to deal with i guess i want to refer back to relationships in general mm-hmm. so obviously you're pushing yourself to an extreme, uh, as I would see it, and you're balancing odd hours. That's not easy. How do you, whether that's in relationships or with a partner or friends or family, how do you manage that? Because I can see externally that potentially could be a difficulty too.
1: It is. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is. Um, You know, I got to say it's like growing up, always doing Sunday dinners with my family. Uh, Obviously, COVID kind of uh, pushed that away, but you know, getting back into that routine of doing those Sunday dinners with my family, right? Um, you know, seeing friends on certain days for wing night or, you know, just, you know, see, just separating time up where it's, you know, you always know you have that time uh, because, yeah, you, you'll go mad if you're just in work mode 24-7, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's always, yeah, it's always, I find it's always, you know, easier for me because that's just kind of... What a lot of my positions have been in as well just outside of of mm-hmm. um djing or anything like that mm-hmm. so i always find i'm like okay you have to slot these these times right
0: yeah because it it may be harder for other people to understand right because especially if you're the one that's passionate about it mm-hmm. sometimes it can be harder for other people to understand well i never see you you're always busy you work the nights like it can be like servers, right? If they work yeah. nights and th- whether they're in relationships or it's family, and they're like, "I never yeah. see you on Sundays anymore because you, you're hungover from serving or whatever yeah. it may be." Hopefully, they're not hungover from serving. <laughs> but there you go. Not very bad. You, yeah. you, t- you talked about COVID a little bit there. How did you deal with the downtown downtime? Did that affect you at all because of you know it, you weren't particularly performing um obviously you know bars were shut everyone's pretty yeah. much locked in were you doing virtual performances how, how did that how did you kind of find out what could be you know a yeah. good thing for you to do yeah
1: so uh i, I didn't do any um like live stream uh, dj anything like that i wanted to you know essentially have a production of you know a beautiful landscape i know we we have it essentially in our backyards uh being out west right so Um, this was in probably, I want to say it was around June, like right when that secondary highway opens up on the crown land, Mm -hmm. um, went out there, you know, got all my list together of what I need to bring. There's a few of us there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, went out there and started up everything and it was clear as day. Like it was so clear. And then probably about half an hour into the set it's just black clouds are coming up. Oh no. And we, all, and we have all the equipment out. And we're just like, oh, man, oh, man. So we end up, yeah, taking it all back to the car. It was quite a trek to get it from the car into this huge field. Um, came back, I think, I want to say about a month later. And it was the most perfect day. It was crystal clear. Like, it was pitch blue skies. Uh, actually, during my set, um, during this remote set, there was... Uh, I believe it was like a owl came up or no. Yeah. There was some owl. There was some, I think, I want to say it was like an eagle or something. And some deer came out, but they weren't scared. They were just kind of just walking, like walking up to the, yeah. So it was, it was really trippy that way had, had this drone going, uh, as well. So with crown land compared to the, the, the park, you can't obviously have any drones there. Mm -hmm. So, we could still see, see, see all the mountains, but, um, it was, uh, it was surreal. Cause like the, the set went off without a hitch and I was more worried about because it was like plus 30 that the equipment was going to fail. Cause it was, there was no, there's no shading on it, right? It was yeah. just direct at like, it, it was burning hot to touch.
0: W- was this all live streamed?
1: Um, it, it wasn't live streamed. So okay. we, so we recorded it. Um, so I had a, I had a little sound box recorded that. Mm-hmm. Directly to my phone. Um, And then from there, we matched the production to the mix. Okay, nice. Awesome. I mean,
0: something like that live stream would be cool. Yeah, it was just a matter of service. Of course, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's the difficulty you have. But the the, I mean, the backdrop, you could create some amazing... Amazing yeah. kind of events in, in, in yeah. nature if we were allowed, but I, oh, I, I understand beautiful. the the uh, yeah. you know the parks restrictions and stuff, but you know you never know, maybe in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think to close this off, obviously thanks so much for sharing your journey. I, I think um, you know people are going to find it valuable, whether they're in your industry or not. One question I ask everyone is, if your life was a book and you could title your life right now as a particular chapter in your life, what would you name it and why? That's a good question. <laughs> it's not an easy one, is it?
1: That is a good question. Um, surprising. I would call it surprising. Interesting. The chapter, yeah.
0: Well, why, why? Is there any context to that? Or are you going to leave it on that?
1: <laughs> Be <Big> in <and> suspense? <laughs> no, just because it's... Because, you know, this is in, like, every aspect. Because, you know, on the music side just saying it's just been, you know, having this release. So with, with mind control, we, for probably, I'd say about like four months, we were sending this track out. We were doing, you know, all of these, you know, all of these kind of approaches. Right. But it's, um, when it got picked up, um, from Austin Kramer, it was just, it was unreal. Like it, it was just surreal seeing, you know, uh, labels like spin in, you know, posting it on their playlist. Right. So yeah, it was just surprising. Just, it just kind of came out because we're like, Oh my God, like, like, look who just playlisted this. Right. So, um, yeah, surprising in a, in a good way, I'd say it's just like, it's uh or surreal. Yeah. Surprising and no, surreal. For sure. Yeah. I
0: mean, you've obviously had a lot of progression when you look back and even when you have these conversations and talk about that journey and what it's looked like. But again, thanks so much, obviously, for listeners. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know they can check you out on on Instagram there and also your website at TravisLydian.com. But I'm sure we'll see you at some events here in the future.
1: Absolutely. Next weekend. Thanks, Travis. (laughs) Thank you.